We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast with Alex Golden and Michael Focci. Miller for three. Oh, he backed it in. He backed it in. And the game is tied. We're going to overtime. Warren lets it fly. Yes. T.J. Warren is not human. Ranger catches, shoots for three to win it. He hits it. To go. Brogdon for three. Let's Got go. it. O'Neal drives on Yao, puts it in. Duarte for three. Boom, baby. Anthony attacks Hibbert. Denies him at the rim. Karis LeVert. People don't realize how good he really is. LeVert. Skies high for the jam. Stevenson passes into Sabonis for the basket. Jackson turns, fires, Smoke. Flips it to the big fella, fake shoots, and hands, hands, hands. This is TJ McConnell, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Pacer Nation, what is going on? Welcome back to another episode of Setting the Pace. And joining us after a little bit over a week-long hiatus, it's the one and only Michael J. Fachi. Fachi, how you doing, brother? Thrilled to be back. I mean, look, I wish I was returning to a, a better Pacer team. But at the same point, man, I miss talking to you guys. And uh, hey, it feels great to be back. I hope everybody had an awesome holiday break. I definitely enjoyed a little bit of a break from talking about this Pacers team, Fachi. I will not lie, but I did miss doing our mailbag podcast. That is like my favorite podcast that we do yep. because I love seeing all the questions. So have no fear. We took a, a one week break from that, but we will come back with that to start the new year off with a great mailbag podcast. But today we've got on Scott Agnes. From the Fieldhouse Files, I think you guys really enjoy his work and when he's on the podcast. So we're excited to have him on. But Fachi, uh, just real quick, looking back, obviously the two games that we have not covered yet on this podcast was the nice win against the Houston Rockets and then uh, a pretty, uh, you know, lopsided loss, I guess you should say, against the Bulls until we kind of came back a little bit. But just not a great performance in Chicago the day after Christmas. What were your thoughts on those two games? Uh, well, I was very interested to see what Miles would do as the solo center beast. It just felt like, you know, with all the talk that, that he had, you know, wanting more shots and everything, I was like, man, he better go out there and shoot the ball at least 15 times. He gets up 18 shots, finishes the game with 32 and 10. I feel like that was the big takeaway from there. Other than Karis LeVert has been playing way better recently. So, love seeing that. And then you talk about the Bulls game. 
Look, final score, 113 to 105. It was not that close. This game was like a 20-point game for, for most of the game, it felt like. Uh, Pacers ended up making it a little bit closer, but they were never really in that game. So that was disappointing, especially when the Pacers beat them by 32 last time they yeah. played Chicago. Well, you knew. I mean, obviously didn't have Lonzo Ball. He's out with uh, COVID right now. Not sure what that is. So. And Caruso, right? So, you know, I, I didn't even really watch all the game. I checked my phone a few times. I mean, that's about the extent of me watching. I tried to rewatch it when I got home, but my wife's birthday was Monday. And as I'm rewatching it, it hits midnight and my wife's going, ah, 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 and I'm like, what's, what's going on? And she's like, she's like, uh, it's my birthday. <laughs> so it's like, oh, come on, give me a break. Right. It's just turned 12 o'clock. Good grief. But with that being said, uh, you're right. Definitely about that Houston game. It was a, a game for miles to showcase himself as the solo center. And as I was watching that game, of course, the takes were hotter than ever before oh, on yes, social media sizzler. because Miles should be the solo center off of playing one of the worst defenses in the entire NBA. Listen to this. Houston is 23rd in opponent's points in the paint and 29th in defensive rating. They're 26th in opponent's second chance points, 30th in points, uh, opponent's points fast break, and 30th in opponent's points off turnovers. This team flat out sucks defensively. Uh, I mean, I don't even know how many times Miles had wide open looks at the basket. Christian Wood is a guy that everybody and you yourself have praised Christian Wood. And offensively, mm -hmm. that might be a good player. But defensively, yeah. no. there is a lot to be desired there with Christian Wood. So Miles Turner came out, did what he needed to do, had a great game. Can't take it away from him. Karis LeVert looked great. But, um, you know, just not a, a team that I'm looking at. To, to really say which center am I picking between with these two games. And then clearly Sabonis did not play well in, in the Chicago game, had a lot of offensive rebounds that were part of his missed shots, right? Obviously didn't put the ball up a whole lot there and, and at, a, at a high percentage like we're used to seeing. I think he shot 25% from the field, if I'm not mistaken. So a pretty putrid game from him in that one. But Turner played good in that one. Karis Levert played good in that one. But Brad Wanamaker did not, and he was waived after that game. The Brad Wanamaker era has come to an end. Fachi. Let's talk a little bit about this and the addition of Kiefer Sykes joining the Indiana Pacers now uh, on a non-guaranteed contract. Yeah, I'm excited about this. I mean, we talked about it. We joked around with it. In the beginning of the year, I was not ready to hand Kiefer Sykes the keys to the third <laughs> point guard role. And you know what? Now, uh, I don't want to say I was begging him to take the keys, but it was just like, I need change other than Brad Wanamaker. We saw way more Wanamaker than what we needed to see. And I'm excited about Kiefer now at this point because, look, the Pacers in a season where things are not going right, I mean, they promoted from within. Kiefer in the G League, he, he was averaging 7.5 assists. I believe it was about 16 and a half points per game. Yep. I mean, he he was doing everything that he needed to do. He's, he's traveled all around the world uh, playing. I mean, you'll you, if you want to open up the floor for what you got coming up, uh, yeah. you can tell us about it. Yeah, so for my first article for 8.9 seconds, I'm going to be doing a, a, an article with Kiefer Sykes. I just did a one-on-one Q&A with him before we recorded this part here. So that'll be on there. But he also talked to the media. He actually came on our podcast before the season, Fachi, talked about things there. So, I mean, I've got plenty of quotes from Kiefer to kind of highlight who he is as a player and kind of get to know him a little bit better, which I think fans should be excited about. But ultimately, the most incredible thing about him is in the G League, like you said, leading the entire G League in assists per game and in the assist overall. And he had to miss one of those games. They're nine and four in the games that he's played. So, I mean, they're looking a lot better when he's out there on the floor. He defends 94 feet. I mean, this this guy is someone 
that is just kind of the antithesis of Brad Wanamaker. And look, it's the G League, and, and, and we understand that. But we also know that Kiefer Sykes has been putting in the work for the last seven years to, to get to this point. So I'm excited to see what he can do. Anything just really seems like a breath of fresh air because this Pacers team, like I said a while ago, feels like an old box of cereal that's been open for a while. It's just stale. And, you know, you might want to just get rid of it and, and, and try, try a different cereal at this point, Fudge. I'm ready to try a new bowl of cereal. I still got the milk in the fridge, Alex. I, I'm committed. So that, that's the thing. I just want some fresh cereal, man. So, yeah. look, it's a small change. It's a minor change. I know people are looking for those Woj bombs. So this was not quite on that level. But at the same point, look, Brad Wanamaker, he's a fringe NBA player. We know this wasn't on a team until the Pacers signed him, you know, deep into basically, I think, preseason had already. We were, I think we were one game in or, you know, I, I believe so. Uh, when we signed him. So at this point, look, I'm excited to see a little bit more of a, you know, I don't want to say a youth movement because I believe Keeper Sykes is 28, 29, but it'll be 28 a, tomorrow or the 30th. Hey, there we go. But it's a fresh face. And, and you know what? At this point, he's earned, you know, a shot with the Pacers. So I'm excited to see it because I know in preseason he had a bit of a, an injury, trying to play through it. And I, I think that did affect his play. Absolutely. Well, Fachi, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to have on Scott Agnes from the Fieldhouse Files to just talk about the state of the team a little bit and kind of get his thoughts on where things are heading as we approach January with this team still uh, about five or six games under 500. I think they're like 23rd in the NBA overall record-wise. So just not a great look from this Pacers team through the first couple of months, but we're going to get Scott's thought, uh, thoughts on everything when we come back right after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Joining us now on Setting the Pace, he's no stranger to the show or to Pacer fans out there. It's Scott Agnes from the Fieldhouse Files. Scott, how are we doing today? What's going on, guys? Good. Christmas behind us. It felt like it was here about two days. And uh, other than that, it just seems like we're all tracking health and safety protocols. Now, that's the truth for sure. I mean, it's uh, it's definitely just been hard to keep your Woj notifications on because... <laughs> 
it's just every single day you're getting notifications on who's playing and who's not playing and who's back and who's not. So uh, definitely a weird time here in the NBA, but I, I want to start things off just kind of looking at this Pacers team, still a few games under 500 as we're exiting the month of December. There's two games left, I believe, in this month for the Pacers, but Scott, it's just not been a, a, a great season so far. Then we've got all the reports that have come out. So just kind of walk me through how you feel about this team right now and where they're at currently. Yeah, Alex. So right now it feels like this team still needs a reason for hope, for optimism, for something enjoyable to watch because it, there's been some ups and downs. There's been a couple good performances, some good individual performances. But as a whole, as a collective, it's not let's let's take the last let's take December hasn't been a very good product. They've had 10 of 13 games at home, two more left as of this recording. So through 11, they're under 500 at five and six. That's not good enough. Um, so I think we all realize at this point, as I've been saying, that change needs to happen in, in some respects. Change is inevitable, but it's all about finding a willing partner because something is not clicking with this roster. And it's also become a product where it's just not enjoyable basketball anymore, regardless of the result. Yeah, I mean, the sample size is large enough now. We're 41% of the, the way through the NBA season. Pacers sit at 14 and 20. The East is stacked. I mean, we are currently just above the Orlando Magic and the Detroit Pistons, not where you want to be. But, Scott, a year after sporting a 21-15 record on the road, the Pacers are 3-13 and on the road, only better than the Pistons and the Rockets in the league. Why do you think the Pacers have been so atrocious on the road this year? I think for one, it shows the value of the fans and going on the road and how tough it is to win. Where you take last year's record, for example, they were solid on the road because it was just it was just your team. You didn't have the, the crowd impact, and that also showed in the home record, right? You didn't have the home impact to carry you back from the deficit when you get down like they have been. And, and this year, one of the great stats I've been tracking is entering the fourth quarter, they've never come back and win. And now earlier, I think it was last week, they had a game where they came back from halftime and won, but they haven't come back from a fourth quarter deficit at the beginning. And so that's where you need your home crowd. That's where you need a rallying cry from your bench. And, and to the point of what we've seen the last month, it, it seems like it's not like the effort's not there. It just, there hasn't been reason to celebrate. There hasn't been guys jumping up for joy. There hasn't been a lot of excitement just in general. And that's been there, whether it's been a home or on the road. So I think it's more a collective issue and, and speaks to where this team's out and how difficult once again, now it is to win on the road. I want to talk a little bit about the injuries here. Obviously we know about, about Malcolm Brogdon. He's missed the last couple of games and he left that game early against uh, was the Miami Heat once he came back from the injury. And then of course, TJ Warren, a guy that we have not seen yet this season and haven't seen him uh, an over, almost over a calendar year now. So um, when do you expect us to maybe see Malcolm back? And is there any timetable for TJ Warren? So here's the thing with Malcolm that I got clear uh, talking with him at practice this week, expect for this. I would say this is me now for the next month or so. I'm expecting him to be always on the injury report and to truly be day-to-day. -day. I think that's overused oftentimes by coaches and such. Uh, a lot of times they want to feel it out. With Malcolm, he said, look, this is a truly day-to-day -day thing. I've woken up and had this Achilles just bother me in pain. I need significant treatment. And like we saw um, uh, early, uh, what would be last week, Right before he missed some games, he, he was like, hey, look, I'm feeling fine. I practiced. He came out, tweaked it. 
and then was like, hey, look, I can't. I, it's not worth returning at this point. He has. He said he has no additional uh, risk for injury than any other player being out there. Uh, typically, it's just a matter of a pain threshold and how he feels on a day-to-day basis. So I really think maybe this is something that's going to go on to the all-star break, perhaps the rest of the season. Achilles are very difficult, much like hamstrings, that once you're being bothered by it, you need a, a significant, significant layoff, significant time off. So this is, I think, in sh- large part why you're also seeing the Pacers think bigger picture about their point guard position at the present and bringing in Kiefer Sykes, replacing Brad Wanamaker, who has been unproductive in recent weeks, all because of Malcolm. And by the way, your backup point guard, TJ McConnell's, out and definitely still in a hard cast. You know, look, Pacer fans, they want moves to be made, but I really don't know what moves are really on the way. We, we mentioned Brad Wanamaker. He's been waived. Keeper Sykes promoted. Do you think this could potentially kick off some, you know, other moves? Or is this more of a, look, we made a move right here. What more could you possibly want? This is two things, Fauci. I think, first of all, it's that position's been unproductive. You you could see how frustrated Rick Carlisle was by the fact that he threw out Dwayne Washington Jr. in Chicago, a guy that had played seven minutes total in three games, and he plays, I think, 12, 11 minutes in that one game and has had more production in the first minute, a basket, assist, and a steal than Wanamaker had had in the last couple of games and said, look, we got to make a change. Secondly, though, I think it's also uh, there's this window right now until January 10th where they can play where they can um, bring in guys and not have their contract guaranteed. Then after that, of course, you have your 10 day contracts. But a little bit of this is a reward. It's a look, Kiefer, you're killing in the G League. You're with us in training camp. You were with us in the summer league. You've been productive. Let's see if this can work. But at minimum, we're going to help make your dream come true because, of course, he has never played in an NBA game despite playing all over and trying whatever he can, uh, trying to play wherever he can to make it in the NBA for the first time. Okay, I got to ask you real quick because I I don't think we got the TJ Warren answer when I asked you about his uh, injury update. Could you just kind of uh, give us an update if there is one on TJ Warren or not? Nothing significant to report right now with TJ Warren. He's due for his, let's call it monthly scan this week. Uh, He's he's been out on the court publicly, and I say that meaning usually when media is allowed in, he's finishing up, gets a couple free throws, and leaves. Um, He's been out on the court a lot more at practice the last couple of days. at the team's walkthroughs right before recent home games, shooting around. And and it's also, by the way, not just shooting around. I was seeing him do step-back threes. I was seeing him put it on the floor a couple times, go between the legs, and pull up for a 14-foot jumper, those sorts of things. I have not seen him go against competitions. To that point, also not seeing him play one-on-one, full court, run up and down the floor. Certainly his conditioning is not there. Um, long-winded way of saying obvious progress there has not been setbacks but there still uh has not remained not been an updated timeline and of course that's by design because they don't want to say hey he'll play january 1 and then he's not available or not quite feeling it by that point but um we knew december was ruled out now for a long time and so I i i believe from everything i've heard i still think it's very possible that he returns at earliest in mid january yeah, we saw Goga go down in the G League and look like a European Shaquille O'Neal. Even if it was just for, you know, one real game. I know it was like two overall, but he like I think it was like 38 points and it might have been 16 rebounds. It was 
really efficient shooting. However, didn't really equate to much more playing time at all. You know, handful of minutes. Um, do we have any more answers to the questions on Goga this year and what we had going into the year? I would say that Rick Carlisle has thus far shown that he is not a believer in his game or is worthy of meaningful minutes. I think that's the one conclusion that has been apparent because, yeah, he's only getting in there sparingly, usually when game is in hand or they're deep on depth uh, because of foul issues or an injury situation. So um, to me, he strikes me as a guy that much that it would be best for him and the franchise to get a fresh start elsewhere. Yeah, I, I, it's it's so sad with Goga because I feel like this is a guy that, you know, has got potential, but it's just been so difficult to get him actual run trying to win while also having two centers in your starting lineup and trying to figure out the way to maximize both their opportunities as yeah, it well. Yeah, it doesn't help having that log jam, right? No, and, it, and a couple times he's played ahead of Isaiah, but Isaiah's really ahead of him in the depth chart. And yeah. what does it mean for Isaiah? Like, that's part of this roster construction as a whole that is just completely flawed because right now it doesn't allow for a rising, uh, you know, rookie that needs additional time, meaningful minutes to even have that. And if he does play, that means you throw a guy that's going on his fourth year next year. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't have any real opportunity because I don't think we still know about Goga in terms of, is he an NBA player? Is he a great backup? Does he have me starting po- starter potential? I don't think you can conclude that just yet. And I say that too, because one, it takes usually a year for foreign players to adapt to the league for the first time. Remember, he wasn't over here, let's say like Sabonis playing at Gonzaga or, or play. So he wasn't used to even the American culture. Remember, he had to get his visa, work visa to even and play in summer league, which didn't work out, unfortunately, two years ago. And then on top of that, bigs develop slower. So he has all these factors going against him right now where I just feel bad for him. Yeah, yeah no, I, go ahead, sorry. Fudge. No, you go, you go. Okay, yeah, I was just gonna say, you know, it's it's been tough for him. I'm I'm a little bit sad for him, but at the same time, if he was worthy of the minutes, he'd be getting them. And I think you're exactly right with that. It's just this Pacers team; it just feels like there's a lot to be desired. And right now, this second unit ha- has not been very good for the Pacers, and that's kind of been what's helped them win uh, in previous seasons was their depth. And it just obviously we know warrants her, but like just just the overall depth of this team. Can you talk a little bit about that and why it's not a, why it's not been as great with that bench unit? Yeah, I think for one, it's the the lineups have been in flux, right? Like, is it Justin Holiday or is it Chris Dorte with with the reserves? Oh, wait, right now neither. They're both starting right. out of circumstances. Uh, you're trying to figure out how Rick feels about Miles and Domas. Does he try to stagger Domas so he can get additional minutes with that bench? Oh, wait, there's not a let's call it a safety net and, and guy that he can really jive with and, and dug. Um, those two just hit it off. Now, Domas really has a great chemistry with almost any player out there, but that's among the factors that I look here. Also, they lack, they continue to lack as a team in three-point shooting. And a bigger issue than that that I may hit on here in the upcoming weeks is the defense. Last I looked as of yesterday, they were 27th in defensive rating in December. Yeah. Then I asked Rick Carlisle, do you feel like this team still very much is, uh, in terms of trying to develop an identity, still in progress? And he kind of hit on the common points that we've all talked about that, and said, no, I, I think we know what this identity is. It's going to be com- by committee. It's going to be a f- tough physical team, um, a defensive-minded team. And I'm just sitting there like, 
I haven't seen a lot of mental toughness. The defense has not been there, and you're leaning too much on the bigs and, and paying those guys $40 million. I, I think that's kind of a forced identity, but is that really what you want to be about, right? And so that's that's another thing, big picture, I think. that's you got a lot of cross-messaging here, and a lot of it goes back to that flawed roster construction. Man, even if it wasn't sexy, I missed the, missed the, like the days of having a true identity. Now, it's just a one-game sample size. Turner and Sabonis, we saw them each have their, their turn as the sole center. We saw Sabonis have a 25-rebound triple-double against Minnesota. We saw Turner have 32-10 and 10 against Houston. Is that enough for anyone to say, hey, look, it, it just shows you got to split these guys up, or are we really just talking about it's just one game? I, I think it's a little bit of both, to be honest, in that guys, those two in particular, have more freedom. They play more confidently when it is just them by themselves and not the, the two-person pairing. But I think their plus-minus, the last I looked, was still positive. But the bigger picture here that I've seen, and I often think back to the Miami game, Miami playing them several times actually this year. We've seen them adapt. We've seen them go to zone. We've seen all of that. And yet, even them being short on the roster, and guess what they did? They outscored their, their reserves, outscored the Pacers. Their points in the paint were higher than the Pacers. And th that new style gave the Pacers all kinds of issues. And I'm sitting there thinking, Pacers relatively healthy. I get it. They're down a couple starters, that sort of thing. Haven't had the health and safety protocols, knock on wood, that many other teams have had. And yet, other teams are beating them in some respects at their own game. You can't put two bigs out there and not dominate the paint, not get out-rebounded, not have all those success with the paint points in general on top of everything else and then struggle with the outside shooting. I just, It's just been so terribly frustrating to watch um, because while, yeah, it may be a net positive with those two in there, it's just not been a success in my mind. Well, I want to go back to a little bit about the bigs here and, and, and mostly hit on Miles Turner because – He's the one that kind of came out and, and voiced his frustrations with his role to, to Jared Weiss, and I think that's a fair way of putting it. I'm not trying to say that he's asking out or demanding a trade or anything like that, but you know, it, it did seem like the way Jared took it and listening to his interview with uh, Kevin Bowen and Jake Query on Kevin and Query, that Miles ultimately wants him to make a decision at that position because he would like to play the five more. So I'm just kind of curious, you know, what were your thoughts on everything that was in that article from what Carlisle said, Pritchard said, and Miles himself said, and, um, you know, where do you think that puts Miles in terms of his long-term future here with the Pacers? Yeah. So there's a lot there. And also, doesn't this seem like it was a month ago? Like that's, uh, what that's was it, how, two, three weeks ago. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think it was roughly the 18th. Let's call it. Probably right before that, actually. But th that's more speaks to this NBA season and probably life in general now with ever-evolving COVID changes and now the new protocols down to five days. Anyways, in terms of – let's talk about all that. First of all, I, I don't think I've been on your show since all that. And that was just uh -huh. a highly unusual practice. Just a couple of us there. And my first instinct was write everything I see and when it happens – and the timing of it all, right? So practice had just basically wrapped up. We were let in. Jared's doing an interview with Malcolm Brogdon. 
about five minutes after Carlisle had just been talking with Brogdon and reviewing film on his laptop. Anyway, Carlisle comes over and, and signals, hey, Malcolm, come with me. By that point, Kevin had already come down into Rick's office. We'd seen Karis. We'd seen Domas already exit the double doors and go into the office. I go, all right, this is bizarre. Anything like this with one person would happen on the court, just like I had just seen with them, uh, with Malcolm and Rick. I've seen previously, you know, Lloyd Pierce going over film with Brad Wanamaker, for example. So I knew uh, something was up, and I knew then this story was coming out. And this, the story I'm referencing here was that Pacers would start taking offers serious. Let's put it that way. Then a couple of days later, uh, Jared, who had been in town for, I think, four days, uh, published his story, which I knew was coming out. Miles wanted to make his frustrations and and opinions known, right? Um, And I don't think any of those and any of those thoughts came as a surprise to me, to the front office, to the coaching staff. He just kind of made them public is how I took it there. and I think right now where we're at here is Pacers are are open for business. They are not, as they haven't been and will never be under Herb Simon, you know, make significant changes. And what I mean by that is trade five key players, you know, at the trade deadline or this offseason. What I think you could say, see, and I think maybe their hope, and again, it always depends on a willing partner and what you get back is maybe you move off a couple of guys right now um, rather than what we have seen in the past from from Kevin Pritchard in his time as president here versus which has been very different from his time in Portland is changes on the edges right they're they're sending off or they're acquiring uh, a couple second round picks and taking on a couple contracts or they're moving TJ Leafs contract those sorts of things that don't make any difference generally speaking they do to the salary cap so the, ch- the thing here, and Alex, you were referencing this early, where do the Pacers stand? What are they trying to get involved in? Well, right now, executives are so damn busy with these health and safety protocols and signing guys and, and digging deep on rosters, figuring out who can fill gaps for most teams, that right now there's nothing going on. Talks with There's not much talks for when I've been told with really any teams, and, and that goes for any deals across the league. There's just... They're at a stalemate right now because there's other focuses. And so, yeah, that negatively impacts the Pacers right now um, with trade talks. And I think it'll be also interesting, uh, last thing on this, is just see how maybe some updated procedures and everything uh, enhances or or changes the thinking of the Nets and the 76ers with, with Ben Simmons and Kyrie Irving, respectively. It very much looks like Kyrie very well might make his return with the Nets here in Indianapolis here in about a week or so, because obviously he's unavailable for home games. He can play in road games. So there's a lot evolving on that front. But in terms of trades, I think you're open to just about everything. But right now, there's there's conversations, physical conversations happening, but nothing of substance. You know, one player maybe six months or ago you probably wouldn't have thought would be potentially uh, on the move or available Karis LeVert, I feel like someone who the fan base soured on. It didn't take too long coming into this year. Came with a back injury, but in 11 games played this month, he's averaging 20.6 points per game on 45% shooting, 36% from three, and over five assists per game. That's significantly higher than his November averages of basically 14.5 points per game on 41% shooting. Is it safe to say that Levert's value around the league is is ticking up and maybe, you know, he should have numerous suitors if the Pacers do look to move on? Yeah, I think Karras has only helped 
um, his potential trade value here over these last couple of weeks, in part out of necessity because Malcolm's missed a couple of games, hadn't been himself. TJ remains out. He's had to run point guard, so he shows off his versatility. And and that's nothing new by any means. We, from what we saw, Karras in Brooklyn, he had played point guard. He had pl- been sixth man. He would played on the wing. Hasn't really had a, a reliable three-point shot. That's my biggest knock potentially on his game. He's just like a, an average three-point shooter, below 35%. Um, but uh, there, there's been conflict with him and Rick Carlisle. Um, he's just not a Rick Carlisle guy is the best way it's been described to me. So as I've kind of reported, and, and I think others have as well, as I would expect, generally speaking, him to be the first to go should the Pacers act on a trade offer that is out there. Yeah, and I know a lot of people are just kind of like, you've talked about the roster construction, and you know we, we've seen this roster go through three coaches in the last three years, and I think that it's fair and, and, and right to, to be critical of this roster and their mm-hmm. lack of performance. But at the same time, I don't think that it's unfair to criticize maybe Rick Carlisle and how he's maybe tinkered with things a little bit and maybe how he's gone about playing different combinations and stuff like that. So maybe just from your standpoint or your, your point of view, what have you thought about Rick Carlisle's, you know, return so far? And, and has he done a good job or at maximizing the talent on this roster? Yeah. So, and and one thing with one last thing with Karis too, I want to point out that I I was the one uh, in the off season saying, Hey, that's the guy you build around because to me among this roster, he was the, he was the biggest playmaker, but again, that was before camp. Then that, that back injury started. So then he missed all the training camp, all of the preseason and kind of became known as an unreliable player. That hasn't been the case right now lately at all. And he started in every single game he has been out there, but he hasn't quite, developed or embraced or become the player I thought and others thought he would become when he was more of a featured guy. Now, in terms of Carlisle, yeah, it hadn't been an A-plus year. It hadn't even been a B probably right now. But a lot of it, you, you expect a transition. You expect uh, some some changes and a development time. That's why, again, a lot of us don't want to judge until maybe right about now or the new year here because you got to give a new roster um time to gel although again i just said new roster it's not really much of a new roster it's an entirely new coaching staff and and that's one of the big things i just say in general here with this roster is it needs to be refreshed to me it it, (laughs) i've thought about writing this and maybe i will because i'm a big frozen pizza guy feels like they keep reheating the same pizza and at some point after two or three days that pizza's no good and you just have to go get a new one (laughs) right and so they keep trying that and they keep trying to add some fresh Parmesan cheese on it. But all right, look, it's still the same old pizza here. And so I, I think my biggest criticism, honestly, of Rick has been the defense. It's been atrocious and has not been the identity type defense that you can re- rely upon. And there's been so many times where I've seen them not be able to adapt in games or, or not at least to my liking. Um, and and again, not ha- they still haven't had a leader step forward and I think, again, that's on roster construction, but maybe that can be forced a little bit. So right now, I, I think he has done, at least from what we have seen, just kind of an average job. It's by no means been a disappointment, and he's still very much putting his stamp on both the way in which this team plays and the roster construction because he's behind a lot of that. Make that clear. First off, I love the cold pizza reference because Alex has been comparing this team to stale cereal. So, uh, oh, really? We're right on the on the same page here. So, 
no matter what way you look at this team, you know, it, it doesn't translate to a yummy fresh food. Uh, but one thing I've been thinking, look, I don't know how deep into talks they got, but the Pacers failed to come to a, a contract extension with Karis LeVert right around the same time where they agreed with Malcolm. Do you think the Pacers being unable to lock LeVert in for a couple more years, even though no one really signs early extensions anymore, unless you're Malcolm Brogdon or seeking the max, is there something to really look into there or, or is it really just kind of overblown? I don't think if you're the Pacers, for one, you want to get tied down in all these extensions. I didn't mind the Brogdon extension, um, mainly because it was a, a flat contract and taking in consideration you know, money and inflation. It's actually lesser value, but you lock in a guy that's that you know what he's going to contribute when he's on the court, and it's a very tradable contract. Now, in terms of Karras, I didn't hear anything. I don't think they got down the line or even did much on that front. Like another guy that would have been elig- is eligible is Jeremy Lamb. I think that one may- would have made no sense because you want to see if he's able to play, what he looks like. Maybe you want to offload his contract. A player I know who would like a contract extension but did not get one um, or any significant talks there was Justin Holiday, for example. Um, and so I, I, don't, I, I think with Karras, there was nothing really there. Um, it's not like they were unable to reach a deal. I don't think they even had significant talks or any talks really of any substance towards a deal. Um, they they did get Malcolm, but that was about the extent of what they were able to do. And and now I think it's important to to make some tink, make some tink, make some changes. Excuse me, with this roster a little bit. Um, as I've continued to stress, just because we've seen this old product at the minimum. You want to see more of Chris. You want to see more of Isaiah Jackson. Maybe you could bring in a fresh, uh, younger guy. Um, and, and then along the same lines, you're able to perhaps maximize some of the other guys on the roster as well. Yeah, and I, and I think a lot of it just goes back to the Zach Lowe podcast. They talked about the Pacers, and I think he said on that podcast that the Pacers and Karis Levert were like really close to maybe agreeing to, but they couldn't come to it a deal is what he said on this podcast. So um, I, that's the only time I heard anything about maybe a Levert extension besides the Brogdon one. But I, I think it is smart to just kind of weigh it out, especially knowing uh, Karis did have that that back injury coming, coming into the season. Like if I'm the Pacers, I'm not going to invest a lot of money in a guy like that either, especially with Chris Duarte there, a guy that could end up taking his spot in the starting lineup if that's the ultimate goal. But um, as we wrap things up here, this is going to be my last question here for you. Scott. By the way, though, Alex, with that, yeah. what goes into that thinking, though, with Karis certainly would be – what do other people, what's his perception around the league? Because it goes kind of like what I was saying with Malcolm to an extent is, Mm -hmm. yeah, even if you might have Duarte, it might make, this is very much a small market necessity is, you know, if, if Duarte, or excuse me, if Karis LeVert has value or you could at least make an even deal, let's say for his value, it would be in your value, generally speaking to get him a contract extension, because that's how this market has shown. They have to get players is via trades. Right. I just, you know, but you couldn't trade him this year either. Um, and maybe, that's, yep. maybe that's something they were looking at. Um, well, I can tell you this with Brogdon before doing the deal, before finalizing it, they checked in with Philly one last time and, and made it clear. Hey, look, if we do this deal, you're not getting Brogdon this year. You sure you're not interested? <laughs> so <laughs> well, um, that's a, they that's tried a nice once one. more, as I've said. Yeah, I mean, I think Ben Simmons is obviously somebody they have their eye on, but I don't think that's going to happen with who they have on the roster and what they have available. Yeah, um, what would you want? There's If you're Philly, there's nothing that enticing, and and I've not been a big proponent on Simmons anyway, but I get why right. they're after him. 
Yeah, I mean, they just need – I think with Simmons, the big thing is he's on that big contract, um, and he's got potential to be a top-20 player, right? I, I mean, somebody say that he is right now. And if uh, not, you flip him. Yep, yeah, and that's kind of what I've been saying. Like, hey, you try it out for a couple months. If it doesn't work out, boom, you trade him. Nobody probably thinks it's going to happen that quickly, and, and then you do it in the offseason like that. But, um, you know, I'm not really sure what direction this team needs to go, but I definitely think they need to add a little bit more athleticism. They need more shooting, like you said. And they just need some guys that can maybe come in here and be leaders. And I, I'm not sure what player that is going to be. But um, I want to talk about a guy that's been playing quite a bit more recently off the bench, and that's O'Shea Brissett. Obviously, last year he got a much bigger opportunity because of the injuries. And so this year, with Torrey Craig being in the mix, with Sabonis and Turner really being healthy for the majority of the season, his minutes have not been there as much as maybe he had hoped for. But what have you seen from O'Shea Brissett so far this season? And do you think he is a bright spot or a bright part of this team's future, maybe with a Duarte and an Isaiah Jackson? I see exactly what I've expected. And, and to go back when you asked me about Rick Carlisle, this is one of my big disagreements too, is I didn't understand why he had Brissett on the bench and not playing because he get instant energy. He kind of reminds me or very much that he has the same attribute at Alize Johnson and that they just make stuff happen. Um, and it might, yeah, it might not be drop 30, but it might mean three offensive rebounds or a, a key steal late or, or that type of thing. He's an energy guy. He's a no nonsense guy. He, he's a guy that smiles and has fun out there. And I think part of it, that's lacking, quite honestly, right now. So it's been good to see him not only back in the rotation, but steadily getting 20 plus minutes per game. And I, I think. Well, yeah, of course, he's a, no one on this roster is untouchable if you make a deal. A guy like O'Shea Brissett with his cheap contract, he's a guy um, that you, you'd love to be, you know, an eighth, ninth man on your roster for several years to come. So I've been happy to see his success and, and to see Carlisle torn, turn towards him uh, much more often. Hey, Scott, you know, I hope things, uh, you know, take a turn as we enter in 2022, but tell everybody where they could find you on social media and some of the awesome content you have coming up. Yeah, I appreciate it. I'm uh, at Scott Agnes on Twitter and on Instagram, uh, the Fieldhouse Files, Fieldhouse Files podcast. Uh, if you recently and talked with Kiefer Sykes, talked with Justin Holiday about being unvaccinated, the deep dive I really did was examining the issues with the streaming rights. And probably right now I've, I've had a lot of feedback lately. That's like, honestly, I'm, I don't mind it right now. The fact that I can't watch games kind of puts it off my radar. And that's, so that's sad. not a good thing, but I, I did that even exchanged emails with Mark Cuban who made a special deal with Fox or Bally sports Southwest down there and added context to what Herb Simon said. And I think with a couple other things that was kind of lost um and all that so i tried to gather that up um and a couple things coming up um trying to think i got a lot on the radar ronald norred feature um i think before the end of the year last thing is i i need to drop what it was like to cover an nba game during the pandemic this past year and uh, that's a story i've had photos and reported on um just haven't published so i think i'll do that before the end of the year as well Awesome stuff, Scott. Well, we really appreciate you coming on, and we will have to do it again soon. I'm I'm assuming there's going to be some roster changes for this team by the trade deadline. If not, it's going to be a very long four to five months here for this Pacers team. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with this with this like I call it stale serial team. But um, you know, at the end of the day, I think Pacer fans are just hoping for something different. And the best thing that could happen if they don't make any changes is they continue to lose and they get a higher draft pick, and hopefully, you get some 
you know, spark from that player that could come here and maybe, maybe be a star that you get on a rookie deal. But Scott, thank you so much for coming on and uh, we will do it again soon. Yeah, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. And uh, yeah, I hope things, regardless wins or losses, we just want them to be interesting and a little bit more fun to watch media and fans alike. No doubt. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Awesome stuff there by Scott Agnes. want to thank Scott once again for coming on and just giving us some great information as always. But Fachi. Pacers have had a couple of days off here in a row once again, so kind of missed seeing them in action, but got themselves a game against the Charlotte Hornets on Wednesday night. And uh, how excited are you to see this team? Look, uh, man, I mean, I've been more excited, but you know what? I'm excited to see them like bounce back, try and beat a winning team. I went back. It's been over a month since the Pacers beat a team with a 500 record currently. So it, it, it's been a while. Uh, Charlotte, those games have been exciting, um, especially, you know, the season opener. But, you know, a couple days off, hey, I'm hoping they can respond because last time they had a couple days off against Chicago, they did not respond. So I would like that this one could be different. The, the question, is Malcolm Brogdon going to return or not? That will greatly influence the outcome of this game. Yeah, hopefully we get to see Kiefer Sachs in this game if Malcolm doesn't play. Obviously, I think we still will. But I'll be interested to see if we see a little bit more Dwayne Washington. Once again, uh, got so. got some run there in that Chicago game. And he was basically... Uh, replacing the Keelan Martin minutes in that game because Keelan has not been playing well. But, Fachi, where can the people find us at on social media? All right, so you can find us on Twitter at SettingThePace3. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at PacersTalk. You can find us on Facebook at SettingThePace. You can find us on TikTok at SettingThePace. And if you're in your championship game for fantasy football in both of your leagues say these three words i wish i could but here we go let's go pacers i'll say it because i'm in both let's go pacers It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com